0: Hey there, it's Gillian. And first of all, thank you so much for being here. This is episode 100 of Work Less, Earn More, and I can't even believe we made it this far. And I say we because not only am I right now recording episode 100, and that is a milestone, of course, but also you're here listening to it. So you've made it to episode 100. And whether you made it here by listening from day one, from episode one, all the way through, or whether you just found the podcast yesterday and somehow you stumbled across episode 100. I am so glad you're here and I'm so thankful that you are here with me for the podcast and that you're joining me both on the the journey that is this podcast and also on your own personal journey of building your online business. For this milestone of an episode, I thought it would be fitting to share with you some things that I've learned over the course of recording these 100 episodes and running the podcast for almost two years. So for the first half of today's episode, I'm going to be sharing with you three things that I've learned. Now, I walked into this podcasting journey with a fair lot of knowledge. I'd already been creating content on the internet for a few years at that point, and I'd been listening to podcasts for that entire time. So there was a lot of strategy that went into planning this podcast. And I knew what I was getting myself into. But despite that, there was still a lot that I learned. And three things specifically that have really stood out to me that I didn't realize, at least not at a deep level before starting this show. And so I want to share with you, especially if maybe you are thinking about starting your own podcasting journey. Then, in the second half of today's episode, I'm going to bring on my friend, Tara McMullen. She's also one of the producers of this show, and she works on the strategy side of things. Now, she is a podcast professional. She's deep in the industry, very hands-on with it, so she is very up-to-date and informed about all the new things that are happening with podcasting and what has changed in the podcasting industry over these past two years, and so I'm going to be interviewing her about what exactly those things are, how has podcasting changed over these past two years, and how should we respond to those changes? Are there things we should do differently to market our shows today than what we did two years ago? Different things that we should be doing with how we run or strategize or record our shows. We'll be covering all that in the second half of this episode. Here are three big lessons I've learned over these past two years of running Work Less, Earn More. The first one is podcasting is only, at best, a middling exposure strategy. So, let me explain what I mean by this. A lot of people, when they're thinking about or desiring to start a podcast, one of the main reasons why they want to start a podcast is because they think that it will generate more traffic and more visibility and exposure for their business. They think that it will get their business more exposure to the right people, that it will drive more traffic to their website, that it will help them to attract leads, which will eventually lead to sales. Now, I had a hunch going into this that podcasting might not be the best thing for that. I knew how exposure and visibility worked over on YouTube, where I built most of my audience, and how i had been able to use YouTube to grow my email list and generate traffic for my website. And I just didn't see a lot of the same tools with podcasting that I have access to on YouTube. So for example, over on YouTube, there is an easy way to search for videos. And in fact, millions of people use YouTube as a search engine and they discover new content creators and new brands using that tool and beyond search youtube also has their suggested feature where whenever you're watching anything on youtube there's always a slew of videos surrounding the thing that you're already watching that are options for things you could watch next or even just watch right now podcasting on the other hand is not like that The search functionality of podcasting just doesn't work as well, and with many people on different podcasting platforms, it might even be virtually non-existent. And obviously, podcasting is almost entirely without any sort of suggestion feature podcasts grow primarily by word of mouth. And if you want your show to grow, then a lot of that mouth really needs to be your own because you simply can't rely on other people to promote your show as much as needs to happen for it to grow and get downloads and get listened to and end up impacting your business. And in order for you to be able to use your voice and your mouth to promote your show, you have to already have connections with people who you can tell about your show. You can't tell millions of people about your show if you don't have the ear of millions of people. And that means that in order to grow your podcast, you need to have a different visibility strategy. You need to have a different source of traffic. And that means that podcasting isn't going to be that piece of the puzzle for your business. Now, podcasting might not be a particularly powerful tool for visibility, but clearly it has other benefits because I'm still here recording yet another episode and you're still here listening to it. We'll talk more about that with point number three. But for now, let's move on to point number two, which is podcasting can be as hard or as easy as you make it. So, When I started my podcasting journey, a lot of people told me that podcasting, at least compared to video, was easy. And that since I was used to having to do all the work involved with creating YouTube videos, I was going to find podcasting a piece of cake. I wasn't going to have to do my hair or makeup. I wasn't going to have to turn on the camera and get the exposure right or make sure it was in focus. In fact, someone who may or may not have been a child podcaster told me that I could just roll over in bed, grab a microphone and start talking finish my podcast episode, then roll over and go back to sleep. So those are the expectations I walked into podcasting with. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, if you have no experience with content creation, if you've never filmed a video, recorded a podcast episode, or maybe not even have written a blog post, then you might have a very different expectation with podcasting. You might feel like it is going to be a lot and you're not sure if you're up to the challenge and it's too technical and complicated and there is just so much involved. And I think both of those perspectives or expectations, at least, are completely valid. But here's what happened after I actually walked into the podcasting and got started with it. Podcasting ended up being a bit harder than I was expecting. And I think it's because I had that expectation of it being so easy. So I was a little bit blindsided by some of the challenges that I did run into with it. Now, that's not to say that podcasting is very hard, because that really is the whole point of the second lesson. Podcasting can be as hard or as easy as you make it. You can keep your tech super simple. I mean, you could record your podcast with your phone, and you could use a very done-for-you podcasting software and platform, and you could just record your podcast on the fly with no prep and then post it as is. And your entire podcast process could take you little more time than it takes you to actually speak the words of your episode. But on the other hand, podcasting can be a whole production. You can spend hours planning out an episode, then you can record your part and you can record additional parts as well, interviewing multiple experts. And then you can spend endless hours on the editing and you can do it all yourself. And the editing can involve adding in music and adding in these different sound bites from your experts and crafting this entire art piece that you are creating. And it can really be exactly that, an art piece. Now, I'm sure you can see the great disparity between these two options, and most people are going to land somewhere in the middle. But that's something that I really come to love about podcasting. It's flexible. I can do it quick and easy, or if I have more time and more energy, I can pour a lot more into it. Which brings me to lesson number three, and that is that you will get as much out of your podcast as you put into it. Now, this really relates to both of the two lessons I talked about before. Let's think for a moment about what this whole podcasting picture and strategy looks like. It starts with people having to hear about your podcast somehow. So if you put more effort into this stage of things and you get out there more and get outside of your comfort zone and tell more people about your podcast, then clearly you'll have more people discover your podcast in the first place. Then those people start listening to your show. Now, if you've put more effort into recording your show, you've been more thoughtful and strategic about what you're talking about, you've planned out your content more carefully, maybe you've scripted parts of it or you have added in lots of different elements like these different sound bites from interviews or other clips or music. And those elements can all work together to create a superior listening experience that your listeners enjoy even more. And if your listeners enjoy your show even more, then they're much more likely to continue to listen and to tell their friends about it. So it's easy to see how more effort for both of these pieces of the process will lead to more success for your podcast. But there's one more aspect of this where more effort is going to create much bigger results. And it's really something that comes before either of those things I just mentioned. It's the strategy, the marketing strategy that goes behind your show. How does your podcast relate to your business? As I mentioned earlier on, podcasting is, at best, only a middling exposure strategy. It's not very good for getting more traffic to your website or more visibility for your brand. So what is it good for? Well, it's really good at educating your existing audience, people who have already found your brand, but who maybe aren't quite ready to buy your product. Those people are hungry for information and they want to get to know you as an expert. Podcasting can accomplish both of those things. You can establish your credibility as an expert by sharing free information, free high-quality information on your podcast. And by sharing that information, you can move each of your listeners closer to being ready to pull out their credit card and start working with you or purchasing your products. And so again, my point here is you're going to get as much out of your podcast as you put into it. If you're more strategic about how your podcast will fit into your overall marketing strategy, where it fits into your customer's journey from that time when they first discover you to the time when they eventually end up paying you for one of your products... And based on your strategic plan for how your podcast fits into this, you strategically plan content that really accomplishes that purpose you have for your podcast, then your podcast will do a whole lot more for your business. So there you have it. Three lessons I've learned over these past two years of podcasting. So now let's take a look forward. What has changed in the podcasting industry over these past two years? And how should we change our podcasting strategy going forward? What follows is my interview with Tara McMullen. And I have to say that much of what she shared in this interview truly came as a surprise and new information to me. And it's certainly going to affect my podcasting strategy as we move forward into this new year. Tara McMullen, thank you so much for joining me today for this episode of Work Less, Earn More. Well, Gillian Perkins,
1: congratulations on 100 episodes. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Thank you so much. Well, I can't not say. I couldn't have done it without you. <laughs> Maybe I somehow could have, but it wouldn't have been the same. You've been a big part of this journey. So thank you so much for you know everything that you've done to help the show grow and reach the listeners and also all of the advice and counsel you've given me along the way. It's been really valuable.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: So today I wanted to talk to you about how the podcasting industry has shifted over these past two years as I've been running my show. You told me a lot of things when I first started about the podcasting industry, because even though I love listening to podcasts, I didn't necessarily know that much about it as an industry. But I'm curious to find out from you, because I know this is something that you follow pretty closely What has changed in this time so that we can learn better, so that the listeners and I can learn better how we can turn our podcasts into even bigger successes, how we can get more out of our shows? You know, and a lot of this, of course, I'm sure will translate outside of the podcasting world as well.
1: I love this question because it gave gives me an opportunity to reflect on how podcasting has really changed since the pandemic uh, hit. And because the pandemic, like so many things, really changed the podcasting industry because it forced techno- technological changes, it forced some content changes. And I think like a lot of other areas, it accelerated some changes that would have happened regardless, but it just made them happen much more much faster. Um, so first thing off the top of my head is that we have more tools for podcasting today than we did two years ago. Um, when we got started, I think we were still using Zencaster. Maybe we were in the process of switching to mm-hmm. Squadcast. You and I are recording on Riverside <laughs> right now. There are way more tools out there for recording high-quality audio than there used to be. Um, And those tools do a lot more than they used to as well. When I uh, started podcasting from home, um, I had originally been doing it in a studio. So I guess that's a change as well. But all I had was a Skype connection and some just regular plain old double-end audio recording with Zencaster. uh, And it worked well. But now <laughs> I get to see the people that I'm talking to without the audio degrading. We can record the video if we want to record the video. And it's just, it is amazing to me the things that we can do in what are relatively inexpensive Tools, um, So that's been a big thing. The other tool that I'll just mention as like a game changer for us and for so many other people is uh, a tool called Descript. That was not around as far as I know, two years ago, or maybe we we're just starting to use it. Um, but it's an incredibly powerful uh, content editing tool, or that's how we use it, which means we've been able to experiment more with editing and formatting and do it a lot more efficiently than we would have been able to in the past. Um, so that that is the first thing. We have way more tools than we did two years ago.
0: So when you say content editing tool about Descript, I feel like that's a little vague. Could you yes. explain a little bit about how you use
1: the tool and what it does for you? <laughs> So I think when a lot of people think editing, they think uh, cleaning up audio, making audio sound better. Uh, and there is, we, you know, we do some of that. Uh, there's also like taking out mistakes. Sure. Cool. We do that too. But what Descript makes really easy for us to do is to look at a conversation and see how we can make that conversation stronger by taking parts out of it, by moving things around, by clarifying things, um, by adding in some asides or a more robust intro or outro. Those things obviously could have been done before in editing software. But what Descript makes much easier is that you are editing a piece of text that also edits the audio. So the, the program transcribes audio recordings, and then you can go into the transcription and say you know, I'm going to move this part down over here. That makes more sense. Or, you know, I forgot to say this thing. And so we put it in at the end. I'm going to bring it back up to the beginning where it belongs. It's just really easy to do those kinds of things, which means, you know, I can have more rambly conversations, for instance, with guests, and then tighten them up so that, you know, all of the good stuff that we eventually got around to or landed on, becomes a conversation that's super easy and efficient for the listener to actually consume. Um, And so that's been a really, really exciting development in the way we approach podcast editing.
0: As a very visual person myself, I find it much easier to manipulate the text than I would to manipulate the audio. Kind of the same thing, like with your typical traditional video or audio editor, like you can listen through and cut things out and you can move things around. But I find it very unintuitive to move them around because I can't see exactly where I'm putting them until I then listen through it. And then I'm like, oh, nope, that wasn't quite the right spot. You know, let's try a different spot. But when it's visual, because you can skim, you can see exactly where you're moving something to um, or when you're cutting something out, you can see what's going to be the, the end of the previous section and the beginning of the next section and how those things will tie together. So I find it faster for that as well.
1: Totally. So much faster. So much faster. You know, and as as a writer myself, like, I am a podcaster. But first and foremost, I'm a writer. um, And I am definitely not an audio geek. Uh, I mean, I guess I am more than the average person. But compared to like, the people who edit our shows, I am not an audio geek. Um, And so being able to manipulate words is is much better for me as well. Um, Another thing that I think has changed in the last two years, and specifically since the pandemic hit is is how many of the big players, the big production studios, NPR, iHeartRadio, are using the exact same tools or worse <laughs> than we are now. <laughs> and so there had been in some, in a, you know, fair with fair frequency, there was a quality disparity between, say, an NPR podcast and an indie podcast. And that doesn't exist anymore because... Everyone's doing their interviews over Zoom or with Squadcast or with Riverside or with these you know other different tools that they could be using. Um, and often I find myself getting excited about a new professional show. Like the premise sounds amazing, maybe even the trailer sounds amazing. And then I go to listen to the first episode, and I'm like, I cannot believe you used a Zoom recording for this. <laughs> and it makes me very frustrated um, to hear something that's that's low quality come coming out of a big studio. But for as frustrating as that is, of course, it is also a huge opportunity for all of the indie podcasters out there that it is entirely possible to create a very professional sounding show um, and sometimes a more professional sounding show than the professionals. Uh, And I, I think that's a really exciting change in the market, even if it makes me frustrated as a listener sometimes.
0: I definitely saw that shift with video as well over these Mm. past years. And it, it was the pandemic that caused it, at least with video, where the professional video studios were used to bringing people into the studio and they knew how to do that really well. But then with shutdowns and quarantines and things like that, they were forced to suddenly be doing things from home or from remote locations, and they didn't know how to do that very well. And so very often their production quality was much worse than the people who had had already figured out how to do it from home very well and were you know maybe not professional in that sense but they had a much higher skill level.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I didn't think about the the corollary on the video side as well, but yeah, at the beginning of the pandemic when the YouTubers that we follow were not in the studio anymore. It was fascinating to see like, what are their setups? And I was constantly watching videos and being like, okay, what are you doing? And why are you doing it? And oh my God, I can't believe you just did it that way because there's a much better way to do it. Um, So yeah, that was a confidence boost as well.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I even think about just like, you know, there are YouTubers who I watch who are YouTubers, you know, or maybe they're business owners who have a YouTube channel, but they're not video professionals, Mm -hmm. but they've got beautiful setups and they've got their lighting on point and their audio sounds great. And like, the quality is very high. And then watching even some like network television shows start filming from home and the quality was just like, oh my goodness, you're really doing that? Why? (laughs) Please no.
1: yes, uh, that was that was an interesting time. <laughs> Luckily, TV and YouTube has has I think mostly shifted back. Um, mm-hmm. but podcasts, I don't see a whole lot of people going back into the studio. I mean, they've got their setups at home now. It's easier mm-hmm. to podcast from home uh, yeah. than it is, I think, to shoot video for the, at the bigger studios. Um, yeah. But that doesn't mean that the quality has necessarily gotten back to where it is. Uh, and I just think that means a, a big opportunity for indies who are looking to get into the game and don't want to to spend a ton of time or money figuring out how to sound professional. You don't have to. The tools are inexpensive, and it's very easy to sound completely pro.
0: So much easier and also obviously so much cheaper to do it from home. Yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Another trend that I've seen in the last two years is sort of the rise of conversation shows. So you know, we've had interview shows, obviously, for forever. We've had sort of narrative storytelling shows for forever, um, thanks to NPR and just public radio in general. Um, but what I'm starting to see more and more, and maybe it's because I'm listening to it more and more, are shows where pe- the same two people or the same three people are talking to each other about a topic. And there isn't a host and an interviewee. It is a level playing field conversation. And I think that is a really awesome format because it allows us to tap into something that I think is really important in podcasting, but also just entrepreneurship in general, which is collaboration. Just because you have a podcast with someone doesn't necessarily mean you're business partners. It means you're collaborating on content. And that's good for both of you. It helps build both of your audiences. It allows you to kind of share some of the costs, share some of the burden. And your audience gets uh, a really great uh, product in that they're forming a relationship with you there there are inside jokes there's all this stuff that can happen when you're recording with the same person or same people over and over again. Uh, And so that I think has been a really interesting trend as well.
0: I enjoy listening to those conversation format shows when they're done well, because I think that it adds quite a lot, like it makes it much more dynamic, I would say, than just listening to one person. It's kind of like how you can make something a lot more dynamic with some more advanced editing, right? Mixing things up more, adding Mm -hmm. more variety, um, different content types. But when you have two people, you kind of Get that automatically where you have one person talking and then you have another person talking. So, yeah, it makes it more dynamic. But when it's not done well, the probably my least favorite shows to listen to because they can be so rambly and just take so long to get to the point. And that can be frustrating as a listener.
1: Yeah, I think that those conversation shows do really require more editing. It is not the same as doing an interview. You know, I feel pretty confident when I get on an interview that. I can lead that conversation from start to finish so that there really isn't going to be any major cuts in the middle of it. There might be a mistake, but there's not gonna be a content cut. When I'm doing conversations for my show, I spend a lot of time content editing those things, taking stuff out like, oh, we went on a tangent over there. That is not relevant. I enjoyed it, but no one else is going to, you know, or we we had to pause and Google something and they don't need to hear that. Like, let's take that out. And sometimes just taking out wholesale chunks of the conversation because they don't belong, right? And, and so I completely agree, like, a conversation show has to be tight. And even if your friend and and you can stay on topic for an hour and a half, doesn't mean it should be an hour and a half long episode, it probably means it should be like a 40 minute episode or a 45 minute episode and so like having the the care and also the the margin to be able to take stuff out if you're going to try that format i think is uh really important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But googling things in the middle of an episode? Tara, really? <laughs> We're
1: well, telling all like- our secrets. <laughs> I find myself Googling things in the middle of an episode when I'm citing a book and I can't remember the author's name or I can't remember the title of the book. Maybe I know the author and I don't know the title. Those are the things I Google most or um, sometimes statistics. It's fine to Google while you're recording. That is what editing (laughs) is for. (laughs) I've got three other things. Podcasting really has changed a lot in the last two years. Um, One, just real quick, is the rise of limited series. Uh, We have seen a lot of podcasts come out where it is planned, you know, one to four, one to eight, one to 12 episodes, um, where it is just a compact, one season, start to finish kind of audio experience. It might be audio storytelling. It might be investigative journalism. It might be just something fun and and wacky even. But it's planned that instead of it being an ongoing thing, it is a shorter format limited series. And that is something that I have not yet uh, tried myself as a podcaster, but it is something that in 2022 is part of my plans in terms of repurposing content that I already have, and also developing new content in that format. I think that that is a super exciting and super promising venue mode for creating, um, especially with entrepreneurs. I think there's a lot of cool stuff that can be done there.
0: It's definitely something that I'm interested in trying as well. You know, having now done 100 episodes of the show, You know, I'm always looking for ways that I can change things, improve things, right? And that, having these limited series, it solves two problems that I... Have experienced. And even really, these are both things that I anticipated before I even started my podcast. One of which is I'm a little commitment shy. I don't love doing things that I have to show up for every single week. My audience may be shocked to hear that because I'm kind of known (laughs) for making a video every week, sending an email every week, podcasting every week. The thing about those things that saves them for me is that I don't have to actually show up every week. I will show up, you know, one week a month and work on those things and then I'm set. And so then I can have that flexibility to do it when I feel like it to some extent. Now, there's other things that I have routines for. I do them every single week, but I like having that flexibility and doing those limited series would give me even more flexibility to where I didn't even have to necessarily fill every date on the calendar, but instead I could do a series and then have a pause. And Mm -hmm. I think that my personality would love that. And then the other challenge that Again, I anticipated before even starting was as a listener, I noticed that it's really hard to jump into a new podcast. Mm -hmm. I always have this conflict of should I listen to the most recent episode? Should I start with their first episode? But then that feels kind of hopeless because when will I ever get through all, you know, 227 episodes that they've posted? Uh, Should I pick a spot in the middle to start? I don't know. And that has stopped me from starting listening to a lot of shows. It's caused me to listen to just one episode of a lot of shows and then Mm -hmm. be not sure where to go next. And having these limited series really solves that problem. I started listening to a podcast. Um, It was from Bridgetown Church in Portland a few, uh, about a month ago now. And The thing that allowed me to easily start listening to their podcast was a friend told me about a series they had recently done and how good it had been. So it was very easy for me to start at the beginning of that series and listen all the way through it. And now I know I like that podcast and I'm much more likely to listen to it more in the future. But if she had just told me I like this podcast, I probably would have had the same problem I normally have. So, anyway, so those are two reasons why this really appeals to me. And I'm definitely interested in
1: trying it out probably this year. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to talking about that. And I want to clarify, too, that uh, there are two different ways to approach this. So there's sort of the limited series that lives in your main podcast feed, which it sounds like is what you're describing uh, with that church's podcast or like Radio Lab has done a few limited series in the last few years um, where they'll do like a five-part investigation of something. Which is great. And I kind of take that approach on my show on a monthly basis. I go through a theme over four or five episodes. Um, and that's been, that's worked really well for me, both as a creator and for our audience as listeners. And there are, is also a trend toward limited series in their own feeds. So a podcast that is only ever eight episodes or 12 episodes or five episodes. And what I want to experiment with that is recutting some of my old What Works episodes to create a feed that is literally just like, What Works in Marketing?, and do a What Works in Marketing podcast that's just like, you know, 10 episodes of maybe 15 minutes long, where I pull out some of my favorite clips from interviews about marketing. Um, and then similarly, like I have written content series that is not currently in our podcast feed that could, I could easily turn into more of a narrative style podcast as a limited series. And what I like about that is exactly what you just said in terms of sharing. Sharing it's a lot easier to say to somebody, hey, I just found this this series that's five episodes long. It's about this topic. Go listen to it. And if they listen to it in that other feed, of course, I'm going to be talking about my main podcast as well. Mm-hmm. And so you get this lovely listener sharing thing <laughs> that's going on. Uh, and so I think it's a big growth opportunity, um, and definitely something I want to experiment with.
0: So I have a question or two about this. Yeah. I understand how you can use these limited series that are in their own feeds to promote your main podcast. And I also understand the appeal of having the limited series. I've listened to some limited series that were in their own feed, you know, a podcast with only eight or 10 episodes ever. I've listened mm-hmm. to some of those. I liked it. it. I found it less overwhelming as a consumer. So that was nice. What I don't quite understand is how do you direct people to that limited series? one time, sure, you send out a few emails saying, you know, announcing that this limited series is here. Um, But then after that, does it kind of just collect dust on the shelf? Or is there do you have some idea of a strategy for continually sending people to that? Because it's probably not going to get much organic traffic, I wouldn't think.
1: I think that's a really, really good question. So there's a few things. One, typically, I don't recommend uh, paid traffic for podcasts, because it's really hard to measure. It doesn't seem to work well. You know, I've I've worked with a professional on it. I've seen other people work with professionals on it. I've not seen anyone crack the code. I do think that if you had a landing page with a limited series podcast that took people through, you know, eight steps for starting your YouTube channel, for instance, and it was a it was an audio course and it lived in its own podcast feed, that's something you could send ad traffic to. Um, and so that you could use a paid traffic strategy. Um, but mostly, I would think about it the same way I would think about promoting a book. So if you promoted a book, you would have a big launch around it. But then you'd mm-hmm. also have that long tail marketing strategy as well so whether that's going on other podcasts to talk about it whether it's advertising whether it's building additional content marketing around it and then driving traffic back to it that way you know putting it in your newsletter every so often those are the things that I would be doing um, to promote that kind of limited series as well
0: so almost kind of similar to when you have a product that's an evergreen product something you're selling in an on, on an ongoing basis and you have have a launch for it and then probably not many people are buying it when it's just sitting there on your website when it just exists but you regularly are reminding people that it exists. So it yeah. sounds like for that reason you probably wouldn't want to create way too many of these individual podcasts but having a couple of them could be a couple additional kind of content products that could serve your business.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think thinking of it as a product is the the perfect way to, to work it into your strategy. Um, you know, I'm always thinking about a podcast as a product in and of itself, but it's this kind of, it's a product that's more like a subscription. I mean, literally we say subscribe to the podcast, right? Whereas this is more of a standalone kind of product. And often that's an easier, thing to ask people to invest their time in. It's less overwhelming. It has a start and a finish. It has a clear value proposition. You know exactly what you're getting. Um, and so it it's easier for people to share. It's easier for people to dip into it. Um, and then from there, the they're going to get introduced into your whole other content ecosystem that's going to make them a great lead. And that relates really well to um, one of the other big trends from the last couple of years, which is audio courses. So whether that's free audio courses that live in their own podcast feed, or whether it's private podcast feeds that you are either charging for or using as lead magnets, This, I think, is going to be huge over the next five years. Um, I have always had a terrible track record with buying courses, you know, spending tons of money on courses and then like getting two lessons into them and like, oh, that was useful. I don't, I'm not going to listen to the rest or I'm not going to watch the rest. Mm -hmm. But since I have started purchasing audio courses, I have completed. Everything that I have purchased amazing because I just can take that learning with me into the same routines, the same habits that I use uh, to listen to any podcast. It's on my device. It's easy. Um, And so that's another thing that I'm going to be experimenting with in 2022. um, And I think it's going to be it is going to be a big trend.
0: Yeah, I can definitely relate to that buying courses faster than I can finish (laughs) them problem. Uh, I think, of course, it depends you know, for a course, whether or not the course is very action oriented or very information oriented because sometimes like you need the visual tutorial, obviously, but even if you don't need the visual tutorial, if it's something that I can explain to you in five minutes and then you need to go do some work and like put it into practice, that's probably not going to work that well as an Mm -hmm. audio course, I would think, um, or at least it's not going to really help people get through it faster and get the results um, because you you sit down to listen to something or more likely you put your earbuds in and you start doing the dishes, you want to listen to something for longer and you don't want to have to immediately take action. But for other things, like if it was more of an educational type course, like I'm thinking, like people do buy say like history courses or something Mm -hmm. like that, where it's not action oriented at all. They just want to learn some knowledge for that. That'd be amazing.
1: Yeah. And the other way I've thought about it too is Like there are apps that I have used um, that are fitness apps where there's a personal trainer in your ear that talks you through the workout, right? First Mm -hmm. do this, now do this. Keep going. You're doing great. Don't quit now, right? And I have been racking my brain over the last four or five years, ever since I started using one. It's like, how do I do this for business? (laughs) How do I make a training program that is business-oriented? And I, so I do think And I don't know what entirely what this looks like yet in in all sorts of different use cases. But I do think that there is a use case for an audio course that is There with you, Uh, sort of like a a, let's call it a strategic planning retreat, right? You want to put together a strategic planning retreat as a podcast audio course where maybe you teach for five minutes and then you say, okay, I'm going to let you on your own for 10 minutes. There's going to be some background music. I want you to spend this next 10 minutes just brainstorming as many different things on. X, Y, or Z as possible. Mm. And so whether you're walking, or you're, you know, physically writing it down, or you're typing it into the computer, I think that there's something really interesting that could happen with that. I've done it once with a, um, we, it's called the morning reset. And it's sort of like a guided meditation and guided strategic thinking, uh, just short kind of, you know, 15, 20 minute guided audio. And it, everyone who's done it has said wonderful things about it. Um, And so I I, it's another thing that I kind of keep coming back to as a as a potential option. Sounds
0: like a really interesting new format, obviously very different from the the passive listening experience you normally have with a podcast. But it sounds like a very pleasant way to kind of like take a class on your own.
1: Yes, exactly. One more thing and then I promise I'll stop talking about trends. (laughs) Just from a podcast production agency side of things, I think we're seeing a lot more clients come to us with really novel and creative ideas for things they want to do with their shows. Um, And that's exciting. Uh, I love an interview show. I am happy to listen to a solo show. I'm really happy to listen to a conversation show. And one podcast doesn't have to only be one thing and one, and just because you do interviews sometimes doesn't mean you can't do narrative storytelling other times doesn't mean you can't do conversations still other times and even in the same episode we can switch up these formats so that you can tell stories and teach lessons and share your your perspective in a wi- really creative way um and so i'm really excited just about the the kind of more open mindedness uh, that we see coming our direction uh, in terms of just, you know, individual business owners, entrepreneurs wanting to start podcasts and really thinking creatively about how they're going to do it.
0: Could you give a couple examples of some interesting formats you've seen?
1: So, one that we're working on, or that we've been working on uh, for the last, what has it been, probably about six months, is a podcast called Coach Pony, uh, hosted by Christy Mims. And we're producing her shows seasonally. So, she produces eight to 12 episodes at a time. uh, And each season has its own format and its own theme. So, the first. Season was all about how coaches got their first clients. So she talked to a lot of big name coaches about how they got their first clients um, and really talked through that literal process. How much did you charge? What were you charging for? What did the package look like? How did you work with them? And so it was really interesting to hear people's literal origin stories. Uh, So that was the first season. The second season was solo episodes. The third season was her and another coach friend talking through the biggest mistakes they've made in their businesses. So each episode was a conversation about uh, a particular type of mistake. And then one of them really deep, deep dived into uh, that, that a particular mistake in that category. Uh, and we're working on her next season now, which is going to have a game show format. So oh, I wow. mean, yeah, <laughs> switch it up. <laughs> we're all over the place with this. Um, so yeah. And then, you know, even in my own podcast, I've been experimenting a lot with um, just a lot more creative production uh, techniques. So like pulling audio off of YouTube and, you know, using a five second clip here or a 20 second clip there, um, you know, if I'm citing a Congressional testimony or I don't I don't normally cite congressional testimonies. It <laughs> happened once and I got great audio from it. Um, but you know n- news clips or interviews with people that you know instead of me quoting them, like, why not just have them say the thing that I was going to quote? And so that's been really fun. Um, and then yeah, just just a lot of people thinking really creatively about content planning, how they want to shape episodes. What surprised me about kind of answering that question of what's changed over the last two years is how much has changed over the last two years. Um, I'm still listening to a lot of the same shows that I was listening to in January 2019. And also, uh, those shows are changing. The way they're produced has changed. The people have changed. The formats have changed. And I'm listening to a lot of new shows as well. The industry really is changing incredibly fast um, and in pretty amazing ways for independent creators.
0: So a huge part of podcasting is marketing podcasts, because whatever someone's goals are for their podcast, whether that is earning money or having an impact on the world um, or just sharing some information. None of those goals can be accomplished if people don't listen to your show. So tell me a little bit about what marketing strategies, what promotion strategies are working the best today, and especially if there's any that maybe have stopped working in these past two years that used to be recommended strategies that you wouldn't recommend anymore.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think the first thing that I I'll just say straight out of the gate is that I don't recommend promoting podcast episodes anymore. And I will clarify that. (laughs) I don't mean don't talk about your podcast or don't talk about your podcast episodes. But what I mean is that I am very tired of seeing, and also I can tell it does not work, uh, you know, Instagram tiles of, you know, new episode featuring so and so or Facebook posts. Got a new episode out. It's with so and so. (sighs) I know that like for years we've been saying use your social media to drive traffic back to your main hub. Don't put your content on social media. Put your content on your website, on your podcast, on your YouTube channel and then drive traffic back there. But But can I just say
0: it? Driving traffic from one platform to another does not work well. (laughs) No. (laughs) It never works well. It's not just the podcast that promoting the podcast that doesn't work well. Driving traffic from one platform to another does
1: not work well. I'm so glad we're on the same page on this. (laughs) It does not work well. It worked well in 2011. I mean, it's how I got started. Well, it's not how I got started, but it was how I got traffic. It's how I built an email list. Mm -hmm. It does not work anymore. What works is putting good content on The platforms where people are. And so, Mm -hmm. what I really see working is people using the content that they have created in their podcast, or this applies to any longer form medium as well, and putting that in a usable, valuable form. On platforms where people are naturally going to stumble on it or where they can easily share it. So one of the mm-hmm. things I've been really talking about with podcasters is podcasts are hard to share. Um, you know, we t- kind of talked about that when we talked about um, the the limited series piece that it's easier to, to share a limited series than it is a full podcast. And so I've been thinking through, like, what does it look like to create a content or a podcast related piece of content that's easily shareable? And so the, the mm-hmm. thing that we've been working with, uh, both with our clients uh, like you and also on uh, my own show, is slide decks on Instagram. We can put a lot of content into a slide deck uh, or a carousel post. Um, and that information is really valuable. And the infor- the valuableness, the value of that information, then for the right people is going to say, one, I got to share this. I got to put this in my stories. I got to DM this to somebody. And two, oh. I got to hear more about this. Like this was just, she says, this is just the the surface, but this was awesome. I'm going to go listen to this podcast episode. So instead of just saying, oh, it's new, I'm actually saying, hey, this is something we talked about that I want to share with you. Like this is the takeaway or this is one of the takeaways from this episode. So I see that working really well. The other thing that I see working really well with podcasts today is building an audience first. People expect – and this is this is the number one thing that I disabuse new or aspiring podcasts of – is that um, you think you create the podcast and then go find the audience. And podcasts don't work that way. They might have worked like that in 2015 – They do not work like that in 2021. In 2021, you have to have an audience or access to an audience before you start the show if you want to have a substantial number of downloads per episode right out of the gate. If you don't care about downloads, don't worry about it. You can build an audience that way with a podcast. It's going to take some time uh, and you should have the right business model for that. But if you want to have a show that gets listened to by, you know, a few hundred people or a thousand people or a few thousand people, build an audience first. Build it on your email list, build it on Instagram, build it on Facebook, wherever you're built, YouTube, wherever you're building it, build your audience there first Uh All of those platforms, it's going to be easier to build an audience on than building it with a podcast. And then once that audience is at a place where you feel like, yeah, I want to build my relationship with them, I want to take it further with them that's when you launch a podcast. And it's a lot easier to get that audience to come with you than it is to actually go out and market or promote your podcast.
0: I couldn't agree more. How you said it was, if you don't care about downloads, you know, fine, go ahead and just make a podcast, even if you don't have an audience. So said another way. If you have a tiny audience of only a few hundred people and you want to make a podcast for a fraction of those few hundred people, you know, go right ahead. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if you have an audience of a few thousand people and that's who you want to make your podcast for, go right ahead. But making your podcast is going to take some of your time and energy and it's probably going to slow your audience growth down and make it actually Harder for you to grow your audience. So, you might want to wait a little bit if you want to prioritize growing your audience first, because it'll be harder to grow your audience after you start your podcast. Like we were talking about earlier, potentially easier, hopefully easier, to convert some of your audience into paying customers, but harder to get the new traffic.
1: Yeah. And that's why I brought up the business model piece as well. It's like if you're going to start a podcast, that has minimal download numbers at the beginning, you're not gonna wanna sell them a $49 product or even Mm, a $500 product because you're not gonna make any money. But if you're selling a $25,000 coaching package, you can have an extremely successful business getting 50 downloads a week. Um, Mm -hmm. And that might sound ridiculous, but it's true. I've seen it, it works. So you have to have the right business model for the number of people that you have access to. And I think that's something that we don't talk enough about in business strategy or in marketing strategy. Um, And it's something that for me as a podcast producer is really important to know that we're going into this marketing strategy with the right mix of uh, product and Uh, marketing assets. And if we're not, then we have to have some hard conversations about why we're doing this and what purpose it serves.
0: Yeah, you said it might sound ridiculous to sell that more expensive product to that smaller audience. It might sound ridiculous. It definitely feels counterintuitive. It's the opposite of what most people do. Most people, when they have a tiny audience, they think I need to start out by selling a $9 ebook but it's the opposite of what you need to do in your audience the smaller your audience is the more expensive of a product you need to sell in order to make more money now you might not be at a point where like you're ready to do that but to make the most money you should sell the most expensive product to the smallest audience and you can get away with selling a really low cost product if your audience is really big yes exactly
1: so the Other thing that I am very big on when it comes to marketing and promoting a podcast is networking. Um, Networking with the idea of getting in front of other people's audiences, you know, developing relationships with people who have audiences or who are growing an audience sort of alongside you. It's slow. It's organic. it's, It's very old school. But it is still absolutely, I would say, the number one way businesses grow today. You might get lucky on a growth platform, um, but by and large, the relationships that you form are going to be what either makes or breaks you in terms of, of audience growth sort of across the board. And I think it is even more important in podcasting than it is in on other platforms. Um, so networking, relationship building building, meeting new people, nurturing relationships. It's a really, really important part of of growing a podcast audience.
0: Give us the short version of the how, because I mean, realistically, we are podcasters. Most of us are introverts. We need help. (laughs)
1: Well, so this is one reason why you might choose to start a podcast before you have an audience, because having a podcast to use as a focal point for your networking is extremely helpful. So I am a hardcore autistic introvert. And um, I hate small talk. I hate open-ended conversations. um, And I am very bad at it, too, and it will completely exhaust me. But finding someone who is doing something cool and asking them to come on my show to talk about a specific thing, I can literally do it all day long. I love it. And those are people who then I end up staying in in relationship with and uh, the folks at home couldn't see my air quotes. But for me, staying in relationship with someone means commenting on their posts on Instagram, DMing them every so often, shooting them an email when I see something that I think you know is related to what they're working on. It's not the constant coffee chats. Um, it's really focused conversations and really focused outreach that just kind of keeps that connection alive. Um, And that's been huge for me over the last almost 13 years now.
0: So I don't think we can talk about the state of podcasting without addressing one of the most common questions of new podcasters. So Tara riff on this question for a (laughs) minute here. Um, Is the podcast space saturated now? cuz you know 2 years ago we talked about this and we concluded it wasn't but now
1: is it and no. is there still room for more podcasters this the podcast space is not saturated there is plenty of room for new podcasters um I- I think that said, more than ever, and this is true every single year, but you need to have a strong premise for your show. If you're just hosting another show about marketing and you are not a famous marketer on Twitter or YouTube or wherever, it's not going to go anywhere. But if you're hosting a show about marketing for beekeepers or marketing for doulas or (laughs) marketing for, you know... Any way that you can spin it into something specific and um, really niche is going to uh, help you find an audience. I also think that this kind of goes back to the the question of like, build an audience first, then launch your podcast. If you have an audience, if you've built an audience elsewhere, it doesn't matter how many other podcasts are out there, because that audience is going to want to listen to it. And that's what matters. You can say that
0: again, right? Yeah. If you have (laughs) the audience, if you take the time to build the audience first, even if that is a small audience, when we say build an audience, we don't mean you need to find 100,000 people first. Right. You can have a couple hundred people and that can be your audience. But once you have those people, there will be no competition between you and the other podcasts out there that are similar to yours. Not just not a lot, none. It does not exist. Right. Right. I
1: Yes, 100% completely agree. Amen, preach.
0: Anything you want to say to wrap up this discussion? Any final thoughts? Any feelings you're having about podcasting today? Well, I am always uh,
1: excited about podcasting. I know that, you know, that's probably obvious from the way I talk about it. Uh, but I think every day is a good day to be a podcaster. And it's a great time to be a podcast listener. The industry is changing fast and it's changing in some really incredible ways. Diversity of voices, diversity of perspectives, creative formats, people doing things with audio that you know we just wouldn't have thought about a decade ago or even three years ago. Um, and so it's just a really exciting time to be a podcaster and to think about creating audio content. So that those are my feelings. <laughs>
0: And I'll just add, you know, you were talking about podcasting not being saturated yet, you know, still plenty of room for new podcasters. And, you know, we often think about especially looking back at history we see different industries that took off and like oh if i could have gotten in on the ground floor of that we're not at the ground floor necessarily of podcasting but it's been something that has grown a lot more slowly than a lot of i would say like digital trends you know much more quickly than some other technologies in the past but something that's been growing slowly and steadily and it is still growing and it's gr- I think it's growing faster and faster now mm-hmm. but it is still like a such a huge opportunity to get in while it's still actually relatively small so it's not only not saturated it's still like kind of in its infancy
1: absolutely completely agree
0: Well, thank you so much, Tara, for everything that you shared with us today and just for all of your insights. This has been really interesting and helpful. So yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for the
1: opportunity to reflect on changes in podcasting.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Work Less, Earn More. Now, here's what I want you to do next. Take a screenshot of this episode you're listening to right now and share it out on your Instagram stories. And when you do, make sure you tag me at Gillian Z Perkins so I can see you're listening. Sharing on stories is going to help more people find this podcast so they too can learn how to build their business in a way that allows them to work less and earn more. And if you really love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts right now and leave Work Less, Earn More a review to give it a boost and help even more people find it. Okay, let's wrap this up. I'm Gillian Perkins, and until next week, stay focused and take action.